Welcome to another episode of Accidental Apprentice Podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Natalie Perchico, who is the CEO of the Whippy Chamber of Commerce. This was an amazing conversation, and I'm not just trying to sell tickets here, folks. It was great. Natalie took us through her own career journey, which, quite frankly, I knew a little bit about, but I did no idea uh, what she was using her BA in psychology for before she ended up through a couple stops along the way as the CEO for the Whippy Chamber of Commerce. Natalie is doing some very different innovative things as the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce. She's bringing a, a unique spotlight and vision to all the members and businesses within the Whippy region. It's really interesting stuff. Check the show notes below. Um, go check out the Whippy Chamber of Commerce, their website, check out their Facebook group, and don't hesitate to look up Natalie herself on LinkedIn and see all the unique and diverse stuff that's going on within the region led by the Chamber of Commerce and the business community. It is some very special stuff that's happening for those that are trying to understand the job and labor market around them or trying to think of innovative ways to maybe start their own businesses or to grow their own businesses or businesses that already exist in the community that want to tap deeper into all the resources that are there for new businesses, established businesses, people that are thinking about starting businesses, students, check out the Chamber of Commerce. I learned a heck of a lot more about a Chamber of Commerce than I ever anticipated in this uh, conversation with Natalie. If you are listening on iTunes, Anchor, Podbean, CastBox, wherever you are, take a moment, make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and leave us a review, preferably a five-star review if you're on iTunes and whatever review mechanism is out there for the podcatcher you're using. It is greatly appreciated. It really does matter. It certainly helps to help build the profile of the podcast and get it out there for other people to hear. Without any further ado, here's Natalie, the CEO of the Whippy Chamber of Commerce on Accidental Apprentice Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Accidental Apprentice, Odd Jobs Explored, with your host, Adam Melman. Okay. Yeah. There's no way this is professional. And I'll show you. And it's hilarious because there's a stack of books, there's a speaker to a microphone. It's. Hey, you know what? As long as it works. You wouldn't know the person wasn't in the room. You've got a good radio voice, though, right? Did you ever want to be in broadcast? Is this is this like a little bit of a secretly? I think secret broadcasting. I think I found desire? out I wanted okay. to be after I started doing this. Got it. Hundred okay. percent. Because okay. I, I did a show on CBC once. I was a guest, and okay. it was on a Dirty Job episode. Oh, and yeah? I got to go down to CBC Radio. I got to go in and I'm like, this is so cool. Yeah. yeah and then they put yeah, me in this yeah. giant studio by myself because the host was oh. actually in Sault Ste. Marie. Oh. Because they have radio stations. Right, right. I didn't of know course, that. Right, so yeah. I'm in this massive studio just waiting. And then all of a sudden I'm on the air. Like, just oh. go. And it was live? Yeah. Oh, God. Lo- oh, that's terrifying. Loved it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I walked out of that when I went to school for the wrong thing. I should have oh, went and no. done this. All right. Um, okay, so I always like to enter with a laugh, and here we okay. are. So I am here with Natalie Perchico. Perchico, yeah. Not bad. Well I'm, done. I'm, well done. I taught 10 years of skilled trade school, and I have two problems. One, pronunciation, and two, memory. Okay. 
six weeks and I still have people in the classroom I couldn't remember their names. I, I have I, the same problem. Yeah, there should be a course or something probably, mm-hmm. and I just mm-hmm. I just keep forgetting to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Natalie, you are the chief executive officer or yes. CEO mm-hmm. of the Whippy Chamber of Commerce. Yes, I am. And what does the CEO of the Whippy Chamber of Commerce do? That's a loaded question. It, is, it certainly was. It's a See, question. all the preparatory work, and yeah. you're like, oh, this is all nice yeah. and soft. And yeah. I'm just like, bang. Bang. Um, wow, you're a jack of all trades. And it, uh, it was definitely desired in my career. So I'm, I'm excited and I have a, a history of having um, dabbled in all these things. So what's nice is that I've landed in a role where um, I am the jack of all trades, which is wonderful. So the CEO generally uh, in most organizations, whether it be a chamber or board of trade, is managing everything from soup to nuts. So people, operations, revenue, expenses, um, but ultimately, what um, I think I do is create an extraordinary customer experience. So quite often, uh, we use the language members, which, of course, people are members of the chamber. Um, but I, I, my viewpoint is that they are customers because there are a lot of competitive opportunities for the things that we provide. So to me, every single person that signs with the Whippy Chamber or has remained, some for over 45, 50 years, are customers. And if I look at it from that perspective, then it gives me a really great, authentic place when I'm speaking to a business because they're trying to get and retain customers. So am I. And so who exactly are the members? Oh, they're large and small. It can be a home-based business, um, a business of one to four employees up to large employers like OPG, Bell Canada, um, our universities, colleges. It's it's quite a diverse group. So your customer base, therefore, if you're listening and you have a business, you're thinking about a business, you have that puzzled look on your face. It means you need to be relevant to all of them and deliver programming experiences and kind of a point of differentiation for why they'd invest their business and time and effort into your chamber. Yeah, I mean, that look of puzzle on my face was yeah. <laughs> the dynamic needs that would come from every single one of those right. customers, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so how did you, you said that your career, you had experience in different things right. that made this fit make sense. Mm-hmm. So you've been here for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And the reason I know that is because previously, um, I didn't really have any idea that, I know Chambers of Commerce existed. And I mean, this is maybe my call it not I call it naive people will call it ignorance but I was not necessarily 100% sure of these these pieces but I certainly didn't know Whippy had their own chamber of commerce right. and that's, so but now I know of that good. because I know you've been doing a lot of different things and actually we'll get to it but how I found it with the Whippy chamber of commerce was um the stuff you were doing that was promoted through Facebook and LinkedIn when you were doing the chats with Nat kind of thing mm-hmm. and we'll get to that um because that was it's just genius really is what oh, it is. And, and, and we're going to dig into that in a minute, but so okay. let's, let's rewind. How did you, uh, you, you make the choice to make this move over here? Where were you before? What were you doing that led to this evolution? Okay. So I am from Durham and uh, I actually grew up in Whitby. So kind of my heart is here. Nice. My heart has always been in Whitby. Uh, but I was like many people in the Durham region commuting to Toronto. So my career in marketing and communications, when I even when I moved here, and I've been in Durham for 25 years, I moved back home after you do the typical, I've been to university, I moved back home. Oh, my parents are still treating me like I'm in high school. I need to get out of here. Um, and as soon as you get on your feet, you move somewhere else. And so 
um, my career trajectory was not in marketing communications. It was actually with uh, young offenders. So I studied uh, psychology. Um, my passion was working with children who needed tons of help. Um, and I went from working summer jobs with children. In fact, my first my first job when I was 15 was at Perry's Corners in the daycare here, which is actually oh, wow. a longstanding member of the chamber. Uh, but I moved into working with young offenders and doing life skills training and such and had the opportunity to come back from university and work for them full time. And you spend a lot of time handcuffed to kids. Um, literally? Literally. Oh, no, literally. Um, counting knives, doing strip searches, uh, searching rooms. And I loved every minute of it because the kids who hated me most ended up coming back to tell me they graduated from high school. And there's still to this day very little um, satisfaction you can get from any role when a child comes to you and says, God, I hated you. You were the worst human being ever. And you kicked my ass well enough that I actually realized what I was giving up by by choosing sort of this life of crime, so to speak, which, I mean, it is literal. And uh, that was probably the most gratifying moment to this day that, uh, that that happened. And then I moved into Toronto and worked for uh, very challenging, with very challenging kids at, a, at an organization called Thistletown in the West End of Toronto. And I think that's where I realized I would need to make a career change because, um, and I, to this day, I commend people who, create a career in that in an industry where you're helping people um, in any form and then to do that in a committed sort of way for decades and make a career out of it is um, is more than high five you know it's it's a long-term mission and you when you're in holdings all day and holding a child that uh, doesn't want to remain on this planet and you come home shaking from just being physically exhausted it's very emotionally exhausting and I just commend anybody that's that's remained I thought about it, looked at the, you know, the ceiling, the opportunity, the hours, and said, I think I need to make a change. So I've reinvented uh, uh, quite a bit. So I'm, I'm a change agent. Yeah, those listening <laughs> would kind of go, wow, what? I, wow, you knew that, Adam? <laughs> no, actually, I did not know that. Sorry. Um, I, I can't you, take you down and handcuff you in seconds. You have, okay. a, um, you have a degree in psychology or a master's? Yes, master? no, a degree. Degree in psycho yeah. psychology. So I knew that, and that was going to be a question point. Mm. You've clearly addressed that, um, <laughs> and I, it's interesting because I'm gonna, I'm I'm drawing links. I'm drawing links, yeah. and this we'll get to this at okay. the end. It's something I tried to do with the guest. My world in workforce development and understanding the world of job development and creation, all that. I, mm -hmm. I I do dabble with those folks a little bit, and I understand some really cool language. And something I I've been catching a trend in Marines some articles on is that early stuff that we do as children can actually really build a precursor for where we fit within our roles of work. Mm. And we, we, do, we always think that the job title has such specificity to it that it's so specially and unique. But quite frankly, there's just real basic attributes we have as children mm. that lead us down these opportunities. And the paths aren't as narrow as we think. So, and mm. uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna maybe have a little revelation here um, that you probably already had in your own life. <laughs> so you went from from saving lives and making a difference uh, for young uh, boys and girls across this province. Where did you go then? You re reinvented yourself. So where was the desire? I spun the wheel of careers one day. Really? And, yeah. 
And I ended up, ironically, um, at a marketing organization that at the time did tons of premiums and incentives. Our largest customer was McDonald's. So McDonald's Happy Meals. Um, And this is back in the day, and I think it's still popular, but people have uh, sort of reinvented premiums and incentives now. But uh, back in the day where you bought something and it was packaged in something really cool, or you got something really neat in your cereal box, or... Uh, from a restaurant um, or for a very expensive purchase at a cosmetic counter you got a really great bag yeah um i was in the business i I, I probably still have something in the garage i'll pass along um so i ended up there and i actually i found i was quite effective at uh communicating and um so i guess maybe there is this this theme here i'm sure you'll overanalyze um, but I was I was good at communicating, and this was back in the day when um, we were very excited by this machine that ended up at our office called a fax. And so I would talk to various uh, countries in, in the Asias who were producing these things, and I would fax instructions to them, and they would come back the next, I'd get in the office and I'd have a fax, and they would respond to my questions, and it was fantastic, it was like magic. And uh, I liked that side of it. I liked the production, the management, the operations. Um, And I kept developing. But what I watched was the strategic selling, the strategic engagement of customers outside of our business who were driving, in essence, all of this production. Okay. So I just basically said this is something that I want to do. I I don't want to necessarily produce. I've, you know, been there, got it. I want to be on the other side. I want to be in front of the client. I want to learn how to present. I want to learn how to sell. And somebody magically who was leaving the organization said, I'll take you with me. And I said, okay. Um, So I did that for for many years and then eventually ended up in a large advertising agency that still exists. The name is Bozell. And uh, back in the day, God, I sound like an old person. <laughs> but back in the day, um, promotions and consumer promotions and retailer promotions, and by that time, it had actually expanded into quite a genre within marketing. Um, it was not regarded as sexy as advertising. So even if an agency recognized that they needed to broaden their horizons and pure television, radio advertising was no longer the mecca, people were looking for integrated marketing. And so it made sense to either purchase or engage an agency in broadening its service delivery so they would engage in promotions and retailer promotions and they had all types of different types of products and services so it became this let's create an integrated approach to solve a business problem or a marketing communications problem rather than let's try to sell them a 30-second television ad wow so it became a problem solving strategy as opposed to yeah yeah so i just moved through that in a large um a large organization liked my style with integrated promotions and strategy and sales and I ended up in advertising and that led me to managing very large accounts uh, the strategy and the marketing communications of those and I was asked to join Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation Um, well let's subtract two years from being here so uh, I was there for 16 years so 18 years ago I landed there and uh, started a marketing communications department in Toronto and grew from there and got a lot of operational experience. Wow, yeah, that would be that would be an animal. That'd be an animal to work Yeah, for. it was, you know, I have to say, I, uh, to this day, quite often, and especially in marketing communications and advertising, it's very common for, especially somebody younger in, in, in that 
uh, particular industry to jump from agency to agency every couple of years. So it might change because um, they've lost a client or gained a client or you want to move from account executive to account supervisor or right. from supervisor to director. So it was quite common for everybody's resumes to look at, you know, a couple of years out. Uh, whereas when I landed in Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation, the grass was never greener somewhere else. I actually was given some great opportunities. I moved from marketing to operations. I had lots of people reporting to me in the Sioux, uh, in Sault Ste. Marie, which were great people. Um, and eventually I moved into operations and managed Draws Audit, Draws Operations. And then when the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation decided to move their Draws and audit area from Bloor and Young to Young and Dundas, um, I managed that. And so I'd never managed a construction project and moved something so significant. And you don't just say, we're not going to do a 649 draw today, or we're not going <laughs> to do, the, you know, it's and the integrity around it and the regulations and, um, yeah, and, and uh, got involved in modernization. So the modernization of the organization was a massive, massive change. And what I found is back to communications, I excelled in change management and making people realize the potential of change and managed a change management organization that did basically change work within the entire organization. So instead of working specifically for the lottery division, right. I moved through the rest of the organization to support change management within IT, within human resources, within That's gaming huge. yeah it was That's it huge. was a and lot if i of think fun. back i think back to mm -hmm. i mean that time frame i can think about the on the outside as the customer the astronomical changes that have we've seen with oology over that time yes we've seen so much yeah. change like you, you see the evolution of sports betting you see the evolution of the the racetrack the slots of casinos and all yes. those other pieces that grew over that yeah. time period yeah. when it was just simply at one point in time just a lottery mm -hmm. and wow and, and i'm so assuming to this day the ontario lotteries uh Gaming Corporation, second to taxes, is the biggest driver oh. of provincial funding before uh, before the LCBO. So they make more money than the LCBO does for the province. I would think so. I'm assuming it's still the same. I've kind of lost track. But What's the end? Hey, this is when the jackpots kept going up. So people <laughs> stopped. They weren't necessarily buying less tickets. That's you don't for sure. buy, you don't win. Exactly right. I, got, I bought one yesterday. Did um, you? Of course I do. You're buying a dream. Well, it's exactly. A, it's fabulous. It's uh, it's to me. I always have my wife go. I hang on the board and I go. And oh, that means really? the podcast is paid for forever. There you <laughs> and go. And there's no job. And that's what you would do. You would yeah. podcast forever. I would keep doing it. Wow. Yeah, that's I would. Cool. I really would. I, I think Good there's um. But There's from Spain or somewhere more exotic. No, I'd still be really boring old me. Oh. I still travel around and see everybody. Um, I think it would just be. There's such a great, <laughs> a great experience communicating with others yeah. and and sharing experiences, right? Mm. And that's one of my favorite things I've always had. I mean, I love documentaries. I loved behind the scenes kind of stuff. Um, you know, I want to be a professional wrestler. So anytime I got to see stuff from behind the scenes, I loved it. Absolutely ate it up. And yeah, so getting to see behind the curtain is just. I think one of the best things we can do for people that don't know where they are, or where they want to be, or where they want mm. to go. And it gives them a little bit of insight into things. Like I was thinking while you were talking about OLG, the amount, the amount of different careers that exist inside of OLG. Right. Right. Some people might not even think there would be an entire marketing department, mm. let alone a change management piece, right. let alone there is so many facets of work you can do inside of OLG. Yeah. And this is where, I always try to challenge this conversation a little more to say to folks that, okay, say you're maybe interested in 
I'll use a, a recent podcast. You're, you're interested in film and television. Turns out you're a horrible public speaker. You can't remember anything. You, you can't flow with it. Turns out being around strangers and trying to do something out of character is not comfortable for you. Then when it comes down to the organization standpoint, maybe you want to go behind the camera or behind the stage. That is so overwhelming. You can't handle it. You still have this passion for the industry, but you realize you don't fit in that industry mm-hmm. or at least mm-hmm. to how you think. Right. And right. one of my recent guests took me through a story and they shared that this particular individual failed at all these facets and then ended up becoming a chartered professional accountant for the BBC. Right. In England. Right. And That's they're fantastic. massively successful. Right. And they understand how the industry works. And when it right. comes down to scrutinizing the dollars that right. are being used on things, they can rationalize the cost, mm-hmm. the value, mm-hmm. the why. And mm-hmm. they, you know, they become a very efficient and effective accountant in that industry. Right. So we, we, we really start having this conversation around that you might have skills and talents. Sometimes they're the same. Sometimes you have a skill and a talent. Um, but identifying where they fit Mm-hmm. It, is, it isn't always so clear cut. No, and, and never ever should you hear yourself either thinking or saying that's not in my job description because the best opportunities that have ever come to me weren't because my job said this was something I needed to do. It was something they asked because they knew I could deliver it. And you need to have faith in yourself to say if senior management is saying, hey, would you mind moving the prize center? And, and you're thinking to yourself, are you saying that out loud? There's the, you can't possibly think I have any idea on how to manage. And it was millions of dollars. This isn't just it, it, like t- to actually manage architects. And, you know, I, I'm sure I did things that I wasn't, but I'm probably one of the only to this day projects um, that were a build that uh, came in on time and on budget because <laughs> I'm not going to say anything out of the construction no, industry, I know. but yeah, Ha-ha, to you, <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's, I think that's probably, and you know, I know that I'm not, I don't know whether you're going to ask me your top 10 or some advice, but, um, I, th- I think well, we'll what's, well, I think what's missing is definitely the, the lack of opportunity. And it's not that it isn't there. It's that it's there. You, but you've got to ask yourself whether staying a couple of hours late might actually give you an opportunity you hadn't ever, ever conceived of. I was, I didn't study marketing communications. And so here I was at the OLG setting up on operations to support the lottery business. I didn't study how to do a construction. I don't, I didn't know anything about auditing draws and how national draws were chosen, you know, were picked, how numbers worked, what those machines, like, like, let's not pretend I'm a, you know, a scientist. I, I, I'm a jack of all trades, but you don't get that opportunity and be able to say that unless you've put yourself in a position of, um, working hard and taking those opportunities, you should never, ever say that's not in my job description or you're missing out on some really amazing experiences, if not life altering. Oh, absolutely. And there's, you know, entering into those positions, entering into those opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's not like Natalie standing there saying to herself, well, I got this. I, I know how to do this. Oh, it's, no. Okay, I'm going to give this a try. Yeah, I'll worst, do my best. Worst case, yeah. I learned something new that yeah. either I can do or I certainly cannot do, and right. they're probably not going to ask again. Right. But you, you got to give it that shot. Right. And, and so you, fast forward, right? I never, when I was spinning the wheel of careers or you know, holding all day with somebody who wanted to hurt themselves, say to myself, I'm going to be a CEO. 
I don't even think I knew what those acronym, what that acronym meant, or what what it actually meant to be. It was never on my radar as an uh, as an objective in life. So why the move? I mean, <laughs> maybe not the why the move, but but why the transition to come to to Whippy Chamber of Commerce then from OLG? Um, so through modernization, I was preaching change management. Right. Right. So. Um, it was a significant transformation for this organization, and most of it was actually done in gaming, and it was moving over to other parts of the organization. Um, but I was a real, you know, kind of headliner to say, you can do this, or here are the things, don't be afraid, here are the things you need to consider. And one day, this job on Indeed kept popping up. And I was not on Indeed looking for work. I was on Indeed to make sure if I was going to hire more change management people, what is it that I needed to describe in a job description? Because gee whiz, I'm not a change management expert. I'm trained now in change management. I was trained in organizational design. I've got those things in my toolbox, but I certainly wasn't um, prepared to write job descriptions that were business specific and department specific in terms of what we were looking for. So I figured, you know, I'll do some research. And along came this job and I laughed and deleted it because I'm not a CEO. And it came up a couple of days later and I laughed and I deleted it because I'm not a CEO. And then I opened it because it said Whitby and I opened it because it came up to me the third time and I said, you know what, if the universe is telling you something, at least read it. Mm-hmm. And I did the need him, got him, just like everybody else does when they look at a job opportunity or a, um, an opportunity at all and says, what, you know, what, ca- what could I do? What can I do? What might be a stretch? And I thought about Whitby, and this is, this is my hometown. And all of a sudden, I found myself applying to something called a chamber of commerce that I had no idea what it was. And that's you know i mean in a nutshell that's that's how it happened i mean it was they were very rigorous um the process was pretty intense i mean i hadn't interviewed for a job in 16 years they sound like quite a while yeah and i got into the olg they already they already knew me the person uh, was interested they actually asked me to join so um, I was impressing a whole bunch of very new people, and so they didn't know me from Adam. So it was it was a real, just the experience. Again, you know, I just keep saying to people, just the experience alone of interviewing in front of a panel. That's fun. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah yep. super fun. But on both but sides of that. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 really fascinating, and it's interesting because there are people now in the organization who, who say to me, yeah, well, I was in your interview. I have no idea who was in that interview to this day. It was it was terrifying because there I was trying to draw on all of my experiences in in doing so kind of in the tail end of my career in 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 a, in a sense, right? right? So I'm not I'm not back in my 20s jumping from agency to agency or in my 30s reinventing myself because I've had some kids like it uh, this was it. I was committing to coming back to Durham and doing some good work and taken a haircut because I wanted to be close to home and I wanted to, to really, really do something different, um, and use all those skills that I had in my toolbox that I hope would materialize. And that's amazing. Like taking the, and this is, is a fun conversation because such a great experience to take, um, the diverse skills you develop and able to apply them to something where you get to create a lot of change and you were able to do that 
in many regards over the time at OLG. Mm. But then to bring that into a completely new environment in some respect is it's got to be exhilarating, really. It is. Yeah, it is. And and especially going through that type of uh, interview process, at least one of the things that's really great is that you've laid it all on the line. Like <laughs> that when it's that rigorous, you put it all out there. Like this is what I'm doing. So you yeah. don't like it, you don't yeah. like it. But this is if you're going to hire me, this is what it's going to look boy, like. Boy, you better be authentic because yeah. at that point they're they're investing a lot of time and energy into yeah. interviewing candidates. Like put it all out there. And well, this is an interesting right? piece we can touch on then yeah. because it's when we're talking like much of the audience is either post-secondary, secondary students. Mm-hmm. And um, they're really good at interviewing. I, I, they are really good at interviewing to what they think an interview needs to be. Mm. Okay. Um, as a trend I catch, particularly coming out of the skilled trade industry, is that a lot of people are focused on what they think it takes to be a skilled trades person. Mm. They, can, they can YouTube, they can Google, they can, they can dig up, they can study, and they're really good at di- taking a large amount of information and putting it into a nice little package and saying, like, this is what it needs to be. There's being prepared for an interview. There's being over-prepared for an interview. Hmm. And there's accepting when you don't know. Do you hold a lot of value to somebody who says they don't know in an interview? Hmm. Good question. Yes, I do, actually. Because I'd rather... The person interviewing knows when you're not being truthful. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's all kinds of that interview techniques. And nowadays with large organizations, HR sits there and you have to use specific, tell me about a time when uh, <laughs> processes and I get all that. Right. Yeah. Um, but they are designed because you are trying to get to the, to the real deal because everybody will have that, um, 10 second elevator speech about how fabulous they are mm-hmm. in a particular context. Right. When you ask, tell me an example of. And you watch their faces, they're processing uh, the creation of an example. And that, that's when you know it's not real. And it's okay. You, you can't possibly be great at everything. Yeah. But if you don't actually say, here's, here's the application of my experience. This is why I think I could solve for this, even if I've never encountered it before. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, to be it's, able to, be able to share your perspective mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the example to back it up, just be honest with that. Yeah, here's how I would apply it. I, I think there's more interviews blown right. because people feel like they, they're checking the boxes. Right, right. right. And we hear right. that phrase more about way too many things these days. But and they don't prepare. They, they over-prepare for the interview and then they don't prepare to ask any questions. Oh, that's a great one. Um, I don't hire anyone if they don't have a question. If they can't, if I, do, I always end an interview with, do you have any questions for me? And if the answer is no, no, I think everything's good. I go, hmm. It, it just it I I need you to have checked my website and checked out me and checked yeah. out the role and surely to God not you didn't get anything or everything you can't you, you cannot you can't tell me you understood yeah you cannot right. tell me and understood all that it, ask about the culture ask yeah. about the organization check out some great special project even if the person interviewing you is you know it's shock and awe I didn't even I don't know what to answer ask them the questions show an interest in this role because. If you're not that interested that you don't have any questions, why would I possibly hire you? How do you stand out against another candidate, of which there are hundreds? Well, this is the thing. And it's, hundreds. It's, this actually, I think, will segue into an interesting conversation. <laughs> okay. So hundreds of, hundred, hundreds of applicants, hundreds right. of candidates. So what's going on with the fact that there's labor shortages? <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was coming. Because, I mean, this is an interesting conversation that mm. has lots of angles to it. And you and I have had this conversation previously. Or... or pieces of this conversation you know i know that there is labor shortages across many industries it's safe to say Mm -hmm. we'll go say sectors industries however you want to define it but 
not just skill trades. Okay, there's there's manufacturing, there's supply chain, there is well agriculture, um, the food industry. Like everyone seems to be looking and facing some sort of crisis. To what level the crisis is, but everyone's declaring a crisis. Mm-hmm. But yet, I hear from from many postgraduates and high school graduates and university students that they can't find work. What's going on? Do you have all the answers here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me just lay it it all out for you. Here's my magic chart. Boy, loaded question. Um, So let me me speak to it from an employer's perspective. Please, please. So somewhere along the line, somewhere along, I don't know, this continuing uh, continuum of hiring and firing people, um, we lost as employers our commitment to what the what the word entry level means. Mm. So somewhere we did something bad, and not just as employers, but in terms of managing expectations of employees, the word entry level or junior or whatever, pick a, pick a word that describes somebody who's new to an organization or new to a role or new to a job or just finished school, um, the expectations of the person leaving school aren't aligned to, and I mean expectations in terms of how much they might make, um, the commitment the organization needs to have, how fast they might move up through an organization. And on the flip side, the organization has forgotten when you hire somebody who's fresh out of school or might be reinventing themselves and starting anew, if they're new to your organization, they're entry level. And you've got to commit to them. If your entry-level posting says the person needs to have 10 years experience and a master's degree, that's not entry-level. And so what's happening is the expectation of the employer is that entry-level can be somebody who is actually experienced. And the expectation of the employee or potential employee is that the organization owes them something immediately. And, and so you've got this huge cavern in between people who forgot what it's like to train employees and commit to creating a culture whereby that person stays with you. And you know what? Even if they don't and they move to another organization, you're contributing to a fabric, which means you've committed to a younger person to train them, to upskill them. They're with you for a couple of years and be thankful they've moved to a more senior role that maybe you couldn't accommodate at the time. I know it's work and it's money and it's effort, but that's what makes the world go round. Entry level with five to 10 years experience, a master's degree or an MBA is not an entry level role. And we've we've forgotten that. And that's across all sectors. Uh, certainly is. Um, certainly so is. it just makes me sad because we younger people are not being given the true facts in terms of what their expectations should be. I've interviewed a lot of people coming out of university with MBAs. They've never worked. So I personally I don't think an individual should be able to get an MBA until they've worked for a period of time. It doesn't make it to me. It doesn't make any sense to get. No, one. and it used to be that fact. It used to be that your organization committed to you being with them, and you committed to being with them, and they actually helped um, offset the costs of an MBA. Mm. And and they're making a now they're making a commitment to you, but they're making one because you have work experience. You actually have experience to draw on in the business community or in the organ, you know, in the in the organization or uh, whatever it is you work for. But now you're actually getting an MBA that's going to augment your experience. 
you can't get out of school and, and say you're experienced. And, and it's a real, it's a real sad thing to see people who've invested five plus years in their education, um, because it sounded sexy. And, and now we've created this experience or this expectation that an entry level person should have an MBA. It just, it makes no sense on both sides. I want to shake, shake everybody oh, on no, both sides. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here laughing because when you think about an MBA, like there's a, if I remember correctly, there's almost like a hands-on style portion of it where you mm-hmm. have to do like a project yeah. based on a business case, essentially. On Based on what? Yeah. And that's the thing. If, you, if you're not employed, no. what, what, what business no. case do you possibly have? Mm-hmm. And where's the accuracy in that? And so what we see, right. and this was a conversation I shared with Dr. Ken Coates way back, was that we're providing higher education is becoming more accessible. But in that nature of it becoming more accessible, it's also losing its merit because there's no practical application of it. Mm-hmm. There's no, it, it's just becoming more and more the, theoretical base. Mm-hmm. The bar is getting lowered so more and more people can achieve it because all of a sudden the entry level requirements have changed to dictate they need that. Right. So then right. society finds a way to adjust. Right. And so what society has done and the education system has done in this place is that, well, we need to adjust because this is what entry level is so we can't hold the standard as high anymore Otherwise, we're going to lose applicants. And everyone's always about the numbers mm-hmm. and keeping the numbers up. Yet we still see large, large volume of students applying to post-secondary institutions. And I've said on this podcast many a times, I'm still a purveyor of post-secondary institutions. I, 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 have, I have a college diploma. I've gone back to college twice for extracurricular, uh, extra courses and stuff along the way to, to augment my career. Mm-hmm. Super valuable. And so I find that has a, a, a fantastic place. But rushing into it when you don't have an idea of what you either A, kind of want to do. And I mean kind of want to do. I, don't, I think it takes you a long time to figure out what you really want to do. And you got to try some stuff along <laughs> the way. I still don't know. No, something. I think most people really <laughs> truly don't know what they want to do. I think they find things that they may have a skill or a talent in mm. that they can be proficient with. And you either develop a passion in that or you start to discover what your passions are. And they can either be applied to your world of work or you find another opportunity to apply your passions. Right. And I think sometimes your job can serve as the vehicle that, uh, how do I put this as an analogy? It can serve as the vehicle where that is your passion mm-hmm. or it's the vehicle to get you to your passion. Right. It's, right. it's one or the other. And I don't think I see too much of this whole find your passion and get good at it and make money from it. Well, if your passion is like, you know, collecting animals and pets and like helping pet, you're not going to make a living at that. It's debt. <laughs> like it's, it's a great thing and you could give back, but you're not going to make a living at that. So you, you're going to need a career of some sorts or something as a vehicle to drive that passion. So I think it goes, we get lost on this mm-hmm. and it leads me to another conversation. Okay. Uh, being an entrepreneur, hmm. it is super, super popular right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I look and engage to post-secondary students and I, and, I, and I, I hear this from, I'll just call them, I'll just, I'll branded educators. And that's a really wide spectrum of people that could be, that could be professors. It could be a men, it could be recruitment. It could be all kinds of folks. Okay. So that way no one can figure out who I'm talking about. But these educators, they, they, part of the pitch when they're trying to attract folks to the, the post-secondary institutions and in particular, sometimes certain cat classes, they always follow at the end of the speech is, or you can be your own boss, or you can open your own business, or you can do your own thing. Is that really that easy? <laughs> No, um, no, um, 
so a couple of things on you must have so you must have so a lot I, of entrepreneurs here in the region I, we oh we do and we actually have uh the region is great at um wrapping their arms around uh folks that are entrepreneurs of any kind okay. you know and there's various tracks so if you're an entrepreneur in technology if you are an entrepreneur in it if you're an entrepreneur in a home-based business and you're a maker there's lots and lots of support for entrepreneurs so the region uh, the town of whitby i mean we've we've we're opening up an accelerator here called 1855 so it's kind of your your next phase as you're as you're developing your business um we're we're totally committed the region is committed to entrepreneurship uh, but if you're at home thinking about I'm going to be my own boss versus I'm going to have to report to somebody and, you know, they dictate my day, um, really, really pause and think about how much work it is, um, the financial investment, and the knowledge that you need to have. Because I'm very passionate about people. In fact, I, I met somebody today that joined the chamber and I... I I look at them in awe that they had the courage to jump. And both of them, both their husband and wife team jumped into uh, this particular business. And I just think to myself, wow, I don't, I don't have that uh, courage. You know, I, I draw my courage from other places and other experiences, but I, I certainly couldn't pause everything because I'm, I'm a bit on risk adverse from that perspective, right? I need, I need some more stability. So I look at supporting those kinds of people because I think that's our mandate, part of our mandate. Um, and not just ours, meaning the chamber. I think, I think organizationally need, we, we need to recognize that as part of our economic development is that as part of our sort of a fabric in an or in in any municipality or any region we need to support entrepreneurship because they drive massive economic change i mean an entrepreneur who has some crazy idea on how to do xyz might end up employing 50 100 200 people in your region so there is a very um, specific tie for me and a love for entrepreneurship because they are our future employers. Right. Um, they are our future makers of things that we didn't know we needed and now everybody needs. They are our future uh, bread and butter in terms of seasoned mentors coming back into the chamber as an example. There are future sponsors. There's a lot there. But going all the way back what happens very quickly in entrepreneurship is they get just enough information to build the business case, just enough information to think they've done their due diligence. And there's all kinds of ways of sprinkling funds and rewarding people for having done that work. And we have to make sure if we're actually going to recognize a really great potential that they truly are because it's really easy to reward an idea because we have to fund a certain portion of entrepreneurs that are out there and really the business case isn't a hundred percent and I don't know that they've really done their due diligence but they're great people what a cool idea and you give them just enough money to actually make them feel secure in the fact that they've got a really great business here and they dump then personal investment in there and it's really not and so I think where that assessment of whether or not this is going to go it needs to be a bit more thoughtful and, and apply more expertise. And we've got some smart, engaged people in this work in, in, in Durham region. 
Um, it's just a matter of how do we harness that talent to make sure when they're evaluating um, a startup or when they're evaluating a maker and giving them some sort of funding, some sort of seed, some sort of investments, a spark angel, right? Now you're talking about large volumes of money regardless. As soon as you hand money to an entrepreneur that fuels the fire and that passion and it actually validates that, that what they're doing or thinking or creating is good. Mm-hmm. And yay to us for doing it, but we also have to take accountability that if our processes for allowing them just that little bit of seed money aren't isn't really fine-tuned, then we're actually creating a monster. And these people will, will launch and start and invest their own money and their time and effort and not reap the rewards. So I just... I kind of, you know, I watch entrepreneurship with, you know, shock and awe quite often uh, because I've never been that person. Yet my brother is. My brother is a, an entrepreneur through and through. So the two of us are very different. I keep thinking, gee, if we had really packaged this well, he could develop an entrepreneur and I would be behind him operationalizing and ensure success and then get him onto something else and I would sell the business and move him to, you know, we, we were that would have been the perfect solution but so it's interesting and it takes all kinds i just worry about validating entrepreneurs prematurely prematurely too quickly um because it's it's a lot of money time and effort and being your own boss is super sexy not when you can't pay the bills or you know i I really believe that um as someone that's trying to do something as a hobby slash boy i'd love to get paid for this someday (laughs) and have a job where i'm responsible to a boss and and a a, a company there's a lot of i think professionalism a lot of um strategies and just i think day-to-day habits that i pull from my full-time employment into this even on a small Mm. scale because understanding the responsibility of, of managing something the understanding the responsibility of being accountable you know, being expected to produce in some capacity, like all those little things are really important, I think, in running your own business by any means. Mm. Understanding that being accountable to somebody else is really important because when you're only accountable to yourself, you can really make some bad deals with yourself. Right. That type of behavior. Well, and you see quite often, and you know, our chamber's been around for 91 years. So just a little we while. just celebrated its 90th anniversary, right? So this is the mecca for referrals, business to business, um, mentorship, but but the chamber's job isn't to get you business. No, the chamber's job is to create an, an environment in which you are successful because we all provide you with opportunities to learn, to grow, to develop. It's pr- to provide you opportunities to connect with people, to pitch your business, to find potential em- partners, to find a potential employees, but that's where it gets really sticky because well, I joined the chamber. And I didn't get any business. And and then I ask about, well, give me some feedback to our programming. What didn't work? And and they didn't go to anything and they didn't attend anything and they didn't network and they didn't they didn't invest. And and you kind of think to yourself, it's like investing in anything else. Your business is mission critical. And if if it's important to you and you've made the investment into a chamber, then then leverage it. Mm-hmm. And and you won't necessarily reap sales rewards but you're going to reap other rewards Mm -hmm. always refer somebody else before you expect them to to refer you 
right? But it is, it's the, it's the Mecca. It's been around for 90 years. They know how to refer and in the business community owns the outcome. That's the cool. I mean, think about how cool that is. How many other organizations do you know that the outcome is driven solely by its members, by the business community? It doesn't matter who's sitting in the CEO chair or in the chamber staff chair. This, this is an organization that drives itself because the business community knows why they need it. Do, do you see what I mean? Yeah, and so really neat. It's so neat. But if you come to the chamber or a board of trade and say, well, I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll join and, and expect by, I don't know, it, it's like expecting by putting up your shingle on Main Street, you're going to drive traffic into your store. Well, no, because your sign isn't legible and the lighting is bad in your store and the customer service doesn't work and the product you sell might not be relevant. And you can't sit in the store and say, but where are the customers? So it's the same thing, right? It's wow. it's like, and it's like, I, I akin that to your managing your career. So a chamber isn't just for business. A chamber is for professional people who want to develop their skills. It's why we actually created a $30 student membership because we want them to start early. Not just the people who are in business. You need to learn how to network within an organization you work in. You need to learn how to network with potential employers who might be your next employer. And you need to start early. You need to learn how to network with each other. And so we've connect, we've created something called Connect Gen, which is for under 30 professionals and business people, they're going to have a place to connect with one another. That's it. I, I was just going to well, ask you about something. It's not going to drive chamber membership through the roof. It, what it's going to do is drive economic benefit because these people are all going to find each other yeah. and support each other and have conversation. Hey, maybe say, who put this thing together? Okay, the chamber. Why does the chamber exist for 90 years? That's all a life cycle, right? Mm. But it's the same thing. It's it's It all relates to one another. Just because you don't own a business doesn't mean you need to learn. How, you don't need to learn how to sell regardless of your industry, regardless of your position, regardless of whether you own the business or you work for the business, you are selling every single day. If it's not selling the product that you represent, you are selling yourself. You want to stand out to your potential employer. You want to stand out to the customer and make sure they have an extraordinary experience. You need to learn how to market and sell every single day or you will not be successful regardless of whether you're, you're an entrepreneur or you're not. It's all the same skill. No, it's... Sorry, million. now I'm getting down off my no, off my this is, <laughs> I feel like I'm I, starting I, to yell. You could not you could not no. have hit a bigger nail on the head. And <laughs> the you know, sometimes we wrap that we'll call that skill communication, we'll call that skill being affirmative, we'll call that uh, there's lots of labels mm -hmm. from different sectors, but if you want to make it really simple, the ability to sell yourself right. is crucial. And if you're not doing that, if you're not capable of doing that, you're going to struggle almost with everything you do. Right. You really, really, truly are. And it's so hard and you need to practice it. And I, I feel <laughs> like the education system used to have mechanisms or vehicles inside the classroom that there was opportunities. And, and I mean, I don't mean to pick on the educators at all. They, they have to teach what they have to teach with a curriculum and the challenges of today's education system is much different than previous. And so I understand if this isn't, doesn't feel the same way today and maybe it is, but I know from doing some mentorship stuff um, across some of the different regions where I've gone to events held by Chamber of Commerce and by different groups where they do like a mentorship style night. Mm -hmm. I've been there in those events as a mentor with, you know, high school kids that have been signed up for the program. And, you know, there's three business people and three high school kids. And um, it's like pulling teeth to get them to. I, I'm, I'm looking at them going, here's, a, here's an evening. 
I'm dedicated. I've got a meal in front of me. There's certain portions of this meal. You've got free reign, whatever you want, right? This is an unfiltered conversation that you can ask anything you want and it, it can be relevant to what you want to do, what you think, anything. She's like, let's, let's rock and roll. They don't know what to ask though, hun. I know it's, it they, takes a long time to get them going. They, yeah. They don't know. They don't know what to ask because they don't know what they don't know. And yeah. so I think, you know, kind of going full circle back to your original questions and, you know, my, my cavern conversation about, you know, business expectations and potential employee expectations, it starts really, really early. Mm. So when you're making a decision for what you want to be when you grow up, (laughs) right? Those conversations have to start a lot earlier and, and, um, you know, there are families and parents and schools and educators who do that early, but, um, to this day, when we start talking about trades, is is the concept of being in trades and being a woman um, spoken to high school students that you don't have to be a male and strong. You don't, you know, the it's still there's a very sort of um, sexist view, and I know that you know the media makes um, women in trades it's becoming more accessible because they're, they're doing their best to perceive or portray women in trades as being something that's a reasonable role. But at the end, at the end of the day, it has to start at a time where a young person is trying to figure out what they'd like to do. We need to start having those conversations a lot earlier so that those expectations can be met a lot sooner. So, you know, currently that cavern is because we sent a lot of kids to university who weren't necessarily interested in theory but we never gave them a practical edge we never gave them an introduction to trades in fact it's interesting because I was speaking with Don Levisa from Durham College and I said I I hear in first year you have this sort of it's almost like a round robin course where I can try different trades because you're assuming I've picked up a wrench or I know what a torch is or I know what the underneath a car looks like. An engine looks completely different than what I took when I was in auto in high school. And I probably did it more to, so I could get my driver's ed and there were a lot of boys in the class. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like that education or that round robin or that experience should happen actually in high school. Mm-hmm. Every Every person should be able to pick up a tool and understand what it is mm-hmm. and have conversations about what Gerdau is, which is a major employer it's huge in Whitby. Yep. Does anybody know what they do there? Does anybody know what kind of roles and opportunities there might be? It's I, It has to start at an early enough age so that when they're making their decisions about what to take in high school and the prerequisites, the stress mm-hmm. around all of that is so significant, yet... We really, you can't say, do you want to go into trades? They don't even know what that word means. And then there's a negative connotation with it because we haven't done enough to to support people in the pursuit of a great career. And frankly, if you want to make a lot of great money and be an entrepreneur, be a plumber, mm-hmm. be an electrician, be pick a trade. But if again, if our young people have never picked up these elements early enough they didn't sign up for trades in high school i don't want to look like that guy or not right and and it just we we've just created this terrible terrible cycle where we thought sending our kids to university was the answer Hmm. and now we're at a place where well i might as well do an mba or might as well do my master's because aren't there isn't any jobs out there and it's just it's it's 
I'm really, really frightened for us because um, I was just having this conversation. I don't know how to rewind. Well, all this, and I think there was a perfect storm. We talk about this skill trade shortage and the crisis and why people and the stigma and all this. And I think it was the perfect storm. Like my wife and I were looking at each other uh, today and having this conversation. And I said to her, think about it. We're the parents. We're that generation of parents. You know, we're we're in our mid thirties, early forties. And we were the ones that was the end of the the programs in the schools. They started to fade out. I know there's a few out there that might still have them, but it's, it's rare. So the majority of those programs were phased out. So she had the ability of the programs. I had one semester of the programs available to me, then they were gone. We are now parents. So unless our parents were giving us experiences to have skills transferred, which they weren't, I wasn't, her dad was a bricklayer. It's a little bit different, but um, I didn't have that. So there, there was limited, limited experience. And that is a really large scale because it was the generation of the two working parents. And unless that work had a skill that they were performing that they could transfer, or they had the time to transfer the skill, um, we have to remember they're growing up through the 80s and 90s. That was also really the heavy pushing of the throwaway society where things were just buy a new one. It's just cheaper to buy a new one and not fix it. We're starting to cycle back to fixing things, but now we're starting to cycle back to fix things, but we've gone one generation into the next now of people not transferring the skill of being able to fix things. So now we're in this weird spot where we want to fix things and not have a throwaway society, but we've broken this cycle of transfer of skill. And then we took away the secondary option where it was in the schools where there was at least a little bit of an opportunity to gain. I baked my first pie at 14, but it was in my whole math class. Right. It was horrible, but I baked it. And I understood that it took a lot more work than I anticipated. Um, I remember knitting. I remember doing that. And I can still transfer a little bit of that to my kids, um, but not enough to save my life. So, but there was a little bit there to get some exposure to it, to tell me two things. Either right. I can get better at it, work at it, or, right. or, or two, it was something that was natural. Mm-hmm. Neither one of those were the thing. So we see that going. Now that that is a reality of where we are. Mm-hmm. And I think those are big precursors into the gap problem we have. And the gap problem we have is simply that we have shut all the doors to it. We have closed the curtains to it. And now we're finally opening the doors and, and opening the curtains to take a look at it and go, wow, it's a really great thing. But now it seems really far away. Right. Now it seems really oh, it's terrifying and, and it's slightly terrifying mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it is, well, someone else will do it. Well, we need two streams, right? So we need to solve for air quotes crisis. Um, but we need a whole stream of work that's going to solve for what are we doing at that school level. So, you know, forget trying to solve for everything with one stream of work. Right? We, we need to actually have two two streams of consciousness one is okay what are we going to do with all of this mm-hmm. um, but more exciting is okay how, how do we change our school system to actually engage engage children when they need to be engaged because wow you get into high school and it's hard enough so look at all the sort of um, social challenges there are in grade nine yep. by grade 10 you're already being told gee you better know what you want to do you got because two years left well, you've got two years left and you've got to now take prerequisites because if you're going to go to university and, and all of a sudden there's this language called prerequisites and then they don't ask you to go to schools until you're in grade 11 because now you're making a choice. And so, so now you're in your last year of university. You've now taken quote unquote prerequisites for something you don't really understand. You're taking tours of schools and, and you're not sure what you should use as your filter, but you've already taken the prerequisites to get into health sciences, even though 
you weren't really sure what those were, but you had to pick a stream back in grade nine. And it, it's just so, it's just funny. I mean, if you really, when you start talking about it like that and the, and the terror, I mean, the, the concept of choosing correctly the rest of your is, life. Yeah. And, and I keep saying, I, I keep saying to everybody that I meet, you're not going to know, you're never going to know. No. Um, but just, you know, it's, it's all in the attitude of working hard and taking opportunities. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting for a minute that education doesn't play into it and that it's easy. You so always learn something. You always learn something, but it's, it's not about that. It's just about the fact that pick a stream, but have all the choices available to you. And then you'll know when you need to jump off because it's just, it's not, it, it doesn't float your boat, right? It, it, there's, it's okay to graduate from university and not work in what, in your field that you graduated. It's okay to go to college and get a diploma in something and work, then work and go, wow, I like what that guy does for eight hours a day. That would make me really happy. Mm-hmm. That's life. That yep. That's just how it is. It's, we're it's, all going to have, we all, we're all we there. All have it. Yeah. We all go through. Right. It. But I, I just think we're going to set ourselves up in the future, whatever a podcast is yeah. 20 or 30 years from now, I'm hoping the conversation isn't about the gap. Oh, please. It's about... It's about what we did to shore it up and it's about all of the amazing um, jobs that there are out there that haven't even been conceived of and which is the which is the really scary piece, right? So on top of all the hands-on trades thing that we keep talking about in the gap, what's coming is the next future and trying to prepare kids for jobs that haven't even been a developed identified yet. And so all of a sudden with technology, things are moving so quickly that you don't even know what the prerequisites should be for this person to grow and develop into a role that hasn't been invented yet. And so that in itself is just frightening. And so we can't just sit and be paralyzed. We, we have to create young people who are flexible, who have change management skill sets, who have confidence in their role changing, who have confidence in the fact that their job, the organization they work for, the thing that they've entrepreneured gets copied by the guy down the street and he's doing it for half the price. We can't be paralyzed because the, the lack of flexibility is what's really going to impact our society. And then you, you, just, you just look at how it all tilts. If you're inflexible you're 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 further challenged you just it's um well you're 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 gosh, heading, i'm getting very like spiritual or theoretical now no but no you can, I, you can just see it in fact it you're, you're you're being incredibly accurate mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is that i think back to um the flexibility i needed to have in my own career which was the ability to go back to school which it was having that that Sounds easy enough, but it certainly can be challenging to have to go back to take some sort of, of education. Did you ever go back to take any extra courses or anything in life? Not formally, no. So I, I had a lot of opportunity to take courses. So I did like lots of um, Rotman's marketing courses. So, but it wasn't formal. I didn't go back to a university or college to get a but it was additional skills upgrading. Yeah, oh, new, for new sure. knowledge. Yeah. and practical yeah. environment. And this mm-hmm. is where I think we're going to see this this shift. Education will always serve a purpose, but I think the form, the traditional form of um, elementary, secondary, post-secondary, go have a career, that hasn't existed in probably 20 years. And it's even further removed. Now, I think we're going to start seeing the idea of that. Yes, primary, secondary, yes, post-secondary, but be ready for the return to post-secondary, ready to keep 
keep education in your life. I don't think you're going to see it. Why I kind of harp on education now is that you're just not going to go for four years and have the rest of your life sorted out. You're not going to go for two years and have the rest of your life sorted out. You're going to go and probably have to go again and again. And whether it's through on the job training, whether it's through uh, private career colleges, whether it's through just actually going back to the institutions themselves, you're going to see this because the evolution of work and how exponentially quick that's going to go now versus it has in the past what we have to create with our future worker is that flexibility, the skill of change, the skill of adaptation, and more effectively than anything is the skill of communication. To be able to to connect with when things are working and when they aren't working and to be able to vocalize where they fit along that, that mm-hmm. you know, um, the journey of change. And everybody, again, I go back to that core competency, everybody is in sales. Yes. And everybody in some form is an entrepreneur because you can graduate with, you can graduate as a chiropractor. Great. But now you're an entrepreneur because you have to build your business. It's, it's, you've got, everybody's got to be learning those skills. And I'm really excited about the future. If our, if our education system recognizes, go back to core skills, go back to understanding finance, go back to understanding key marketing principles go back to understanding how to market yourself and what that means will be far more successful and we're seeing that i I can tell you as a parent with a with kids Mm -hmm. in elementary school coming to the end of it i'm i'm seeing some cool things that they're doing and now whether i'm just fortunate that there's uh, some specific teachers doing some different things or is that actually just the trend of the school as well Mm -hmm. i'm not sure but what i have seen out of it is definitely opportunities for them to do things above and beyond just the the curriculum right and that's great because i remember Mm -hmm. that myself as as a student was that here's the assignment and they gave you ideas of how to make it more how to do something different and then it was encouraging challenging to to do that sales pitch right a book report was a sales pitch right it really was and so we started seeing that and i'm i'm seeing some of that (laughs) reflective uh come out of my children now so I'm, i'm I thank the teachers for doing that. Uh, and I'm hoping that's happening in more places than just uh, around the corner where I am. Innovate. So, yes. Well, let me, let me, so I'm going to come to a couple things now. Okay. So first of all, it's interesting. I was, I was commenting earlier about um, some of your, core, what I observe is your core competencies and skills along the way. And um, your passion for helping people has never left, eh? <laughs> No. You know, you, you, you recognize that's probably yeah. like a big drive. I feel like that's a big love driver, it. right? Yeah. It just people. seems like along the way, like you're, you're such an effective communicator. I mean, seriously, this has been fantastic. Uh, again, one of my goals in this podcast was to talk less. And when I start bringing in guests like yourself, it's so much easier. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure the audience appreciates it. So that and the problem solving piece, mm. that's uh, you, you really like taking on some, some doozies and some problems. Yeah. It doesn't sound yeah. like you just... Uh, happen to sit back because in those <laughs> environments, like with OLG, for example, I would imagine that there were plenty of people that probably saw exactly what was coming. Maybe people right. that had, people had been there longer than you. Right, right. And they certainly saw what was coming and just kind of went in and shut the door and waited for it to go away. Yeah. And there's yeah. Natalie running down the hallway going, I got you. Yeah. I'll help. <laughs> Let me, what do you need? Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's, yeah, it's a great thing. And, yeah. And, and I, I think that's what we need more in chamber world and in the business world. We need people who are going to champion change and do things differently and, um, you know, innovate or die, innovate and you don't stay relevant, right? Relevancy is such a tough word. So speaking of right? innovating, let's go right mm. back to how I found you. Oh. <laughs> Chat with Nat. 
what brought this on this idea and, and we're gonna uh, i'll have a link uh show notes no. folks in the bottom we're gonna have a link to the whippy chamber of commerce facebook page um that's where these 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 chats are and i mean it was where did this come where would your thought process come from this and what was the goal i mean these are great really Thank great you. abilities to profile to summarize uh natalie gets in the car she <laughs> picks up a member of the chamber of commerce so it's a, a business a part of the business community in the region or, or maybe a politician mm-hmm. in, the com- in the community and they go for a car ride and they have a chat and it is i just it was listen i'm not gonna lie to you it was one of my inspirations for having this the communicative dialogue for this was oh, wow. I, I insisted Thank when you. i see that type of rapport and the natural element of it i reminded of the importance that these things need to happen face to face there is so much more in that conversation right. there's a, a right. natural affinity and people are able to bring themselves out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you have captured that beautifully with some of the the business community by doing that right so you do have to check those out people by the Thank way you. or on the facebook community the links will be there but what brought that on um so we have something called the peter perry and the business achievement awards and when I came to the chamber, they pretty much said, we do this thing and it's a big gala and it's 350 people. And we have these very amazing, generous sponsors and we typically create programming around them to either introduce the event at the beginning or to close off the event. We do something really fun. And so we did a bit of brainstorming. And of course, I'm new. I'd never been to one of these gala events. I agreed to being, um, a, you know, a participant, which was, you know, I had no idea what I was getting into. And when we brainstormed what to do with our sponsors at the end, we agreed that what might be really fun is sort of that carpool karaoke thing. Um, And it wasn't about singing. It was just about, are you okay to drive people around and just interview them? And it'll be really fun and silly. And I said, oh, okay. okay." Um, And we got in the car and yeah, we do some singing. um, But what we did was have some great conversations. And actually it was one of the people in that car that said, you're really good at this, this kind of interviewing thing. You should do this more often. And the longer the evening progressed and the more I thought about it, I basically that our event is in November. I said to my family, I actually know what I want for Christmas. So I asked for a GoPro and they laughed and they thought I was ridiculous because what do I possibly do that would require a GoPro? Um, And that was pretty much it. I asked for a GoPro for Christmas in 2017, 20, yeah, 2017. Um, And we just I just started this thing and and it seems great and I've got a great team and they figured out how the camera works I'm you know I'm not very technically uh this is like very high tech <laughs> high tech for me um and it's in this year uh it's gotten enough interest that uh, we now have a car sponsor so I'm actually driving now you'll see that in, in the next episode I'm driving a, a motor Mitsubishi uh, motor city Mitsubishi a vehicle a hybrid to talk about a little bit about the benefit of that we have a an insurance sponsor for automobile insurance um, yeah it's just turned into this thing and it's uh, it's it's cool because it's cool because I'm seeing other chambers and boards of trades copying it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's always the best form of flattery. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but it, what's cool about it is it's more me. I think it's just I found as ridiculous as it is, I found a way of engaging with my business community or with other leaders in the community without in my style, I guess. And my style is far less um, formal, and I like pulling really cool stories out of people and making them feel comfortable and you know we we say welcome to the chamber family 
um, you know, I'm a hugger, I, you know, I'm silly, I, you know, I make sloppy mistakes. The whole idea is for, for people to actually see that our brand is fun and innovative and we are trying to be relevant. Um, there's a lot of ways that businesses can network with one another. There's lots of different types of referral and brainstorming and all these other cool things. And you can't get away from the fact that if we've been around for 90 years, what's the what's the magic solution to remaining relevant to the business community? And that's just being yourself. And it seems to be working and it's just a hoot. And I, and I really kudos to a membership who allows me to email and say, hey, do you want to do this thing? I, I don't know what it is yet, but I'm just going to drive you around. And they're just terrified. They get in the car and they, you know, and it's and it's just fun. And some have really taken it and, and run with it. Our, one of my last rides was um, uh, a member decided that we should do, um, oh, what's that song? The Queen, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. They even brought me the glasses to wear with the tape in the middle. It's ridiculous. Like I, I watched it and I was horrified. And, and I don't see the edits so i don't see the finished product it just gets posted because seriously oh yeah wow. you know i have rules around the the front slate how we might talk about our sponsors you know i'll you know i'll i'll say you know what we kind of went down a, a place and, and we have rules about you know it's not about embarrassing the person and you know there's general principles applied um, but if i actually sat and watched them and started to critique because i don't want to embarrass myself then it's just going to it's it's going to devolve into something that's staged and oh, yeah. as long as the person i'm driving has fun and they see a benefit and they're not they're never embarrassed um then we're good if i look silly if i get i've gotten honked at i like if 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 that if that's okay for our membership and it seems to work for them and if it's okay for the person i'm driving then it's a win win yeah. this is this was just a you know what? I'm going to ask for a GoPro. <laughs> it's madness. It's right? awesome. I love it. I love Honestly, it. it's and you know, yay to Johnson and Motor City Mitsubishi who've recognized this as something that they should invest in, right? And, and leverage. So I love way to the go. fact that it gives something that's really, really important, I think, to the business community is that it gives a snapshot into the the humans and the personality that they are. They are, they are people, they are residents, right. they live in this community, they live in right. this region, yeah. they're members of everything around you, they're not just a business owner, they happen to live down the street, they have a personality, they're, they're Everyone's just... Everyone's got a story, Yeah, it's, and it's awesome. so fantastic, and I mean, that's, <laughs> again, it comes as a kindred spirit, because everyone's yeah. got a story, well, and I think everyone's story is important. We have, um, so a, a young entrepreneur, actually, here in the region, um, he's a video guy, and he was a new member, and... Um, you know, I, we sat down with him and I did my flailing description and he, he looked a little horrified <laughs> and he said, how are you? Tailp-? Of course, you know, he's got the best film equipment, yeah. the best he can do. He can create magic. Um, and here I am. OK, so I got this GoPro. I think my husband bought it on Amazon. I, I can't really see the screen unless I lift up my glasses to make sure it's still taping. I can't I can't rewind to make sure that it's working so here it is and I hold it in my little hands and I hand it to him and he's and he makes that face like oh my god what have I gotten myself into well he's you know he actually jumped in and said let me start editing because we don't have editing equipment to do it so he was uh he was great his name is Pascal and um, he's from Phoenix Productions and Phoenix has been now he's going to get branding because he's doing this now as um, a sponsorship opportunity. And I just think people jump on board because it's ridiculous. Honestly, 
it is absolutely ridiculous and so fun and I'll just keep doing it as long as I can because there are a lot of members and a lot of stories and uh, has it gotten to the point now where the you have members asking, asking. to be part of it yeah and you know what say. it's interesting so I had a few and I'm completely open to it I say I just say please send me an email because I usually ask at a time where I don't I can't write it down or I won't remember but um yeah, I just, this isn't, you know, we want to make sure it's representative and there's different categories and, you know, a nice male-female split and, you know, you got your kind of standard sort of, you know, what do we want to do? But I, you know what, we just drove around at Christmas with all of our affinity partners and sang songs. You know, it's not about logic and reason. It's about showcasing the fact that we've got some really great humans in this town. Yeah and in our business community and like let's just keep buying from each other let's keep supporting each other and it's your chamber it ain't mine that's it so let's keep going you know and i want to be i want to say one day it's it reached its 100th anniversary yeah 110th anniversary like it's it's gotta stay we don't it, it just does well, chamber you, you has got to stay have, relevant you have put a huge i think rocket strapped on the backside of Whippy Chamber of Commerce and you're driving it into really cool stratosphere right now. Wow. I think it's pretty cool. You're awesome. Thank you. 1855. Yeah. What is this? Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, the I've town done of, my homework, the by the way. <laughs> so I'll put a plug in for the town of Whitby, actually, and uh, some really amazing entrepreneurs uh, like Jason Atkins of 360 Insights. Um, there is um, basically... It was a building that's attached to the Centennial Building that the town of Whitby has put in significant millions of dollars in to renovate. Um, they have created an accelerator. It's a private-public partnership. Um, the town of Whitby and um, entrepreneurs have created a board. They've already hired somebody who's the administrator. And what will happen are people who aren't, I wouldn't say new entrepreneurs, right? They've been through that sort of angel investment phase they've hired employees they've they're a developed but still a fledgling business and they need not just a place to land and accelerate their business they need to do it in a place where there are other businesses tech businesses a hub where you can have collision events and talk to one another and share strengths and weaknesses and partner and that's what's been created and it's called 1855 we're going to launch it um, I believe in April and they're awesome. working on something that maybe even ties in some communication about all the other entrepreneurship and support that's in this region. Cause there's great things, right? There's a spark center. There's the, um, I hub there's uh, UIT's got a program, which I've forgotten now. So I can't think of it. I either. can't think of it, but it's fun. Like all of a sudden there's this great ecosystem for entrepreneurs and this is more in the tech space, I would say. So the the hub is more, or 1855 will be about technology because when you look at downtown Whitby, there are some amazing tech businesses here. Geek Speaks, Stone Throw Away, 360 Insights. Um, you've got David Leahy and Predictive Success that uses technology. And that's just like three I've named that are sort of, you know, larger, close to our offices here in the downtown core. Right. So it just ties in so beautifully with the strategy the town of Whitby has about its downtown revitalization. You need coffee shops down here. You need stores down here. You need things for these young people to do. And then most importantly, you need somewhere for them to live. Mm. Right. So the more of that ecosystem continues to grow, the more the town and the and the region says, geez, we need affordable housing because now these young people have found those mecca jobs. Yep. Let's make sure they can get out of their basements 
of their parents' homes and have somewhere to live. And to me, that growth, my God, that's exciting. Imagine. And they'll get kicked out of the nest at an accelerator because they're not there forever. That's right. Gee, wouldn't it be great if they landed in the town of Whitby and worked here? Or at least, at the very least, never mind Whitby, stayed in the region and then became employers, large employers. That's what this whole thing is for. That's what an accelerator does. Okay, and you have (laughs) an event coming up on the... Oh, fifth March of, 5th. Fifth of March. Yeah, yes. Connect Women. Yes. Funny enough, you say that because I was thinking to myself, how do I plug that as we're talking about trades? Because um, uh, this year's theme, it's our eighth annual, and uh, our theme this year is Leading the Way. And generally, we get about 250 attendees. Okay. And um, we, the Leading the Way theme has sparked some real interest because one of the individuals coming to speak is Kate Campbell from HGTV. And she is going to talk about how you how you lead the way in trades and mm-hmm. what's what it's like for a woman in trades. So she'll have a conversation about that, but we'll have women from different categories. We've got a woman who works for Chorus Tempo and she's going to talk about media and how you lead the way in media and a senior she's the now a senior vice president. Well, 20 years ago women didn't even sell media. No, right? they say. Um, we have a woman who's going to speak about um, leadership roles in Rotary. Well, not too long ago, not only did Rotary not accept men or women, um, they certainly didn't accept them into leadership positions. And they've evolved and they've got some great women leading the way. So you can see kind of a theme. And mm-hmm. so we're going to interview her. We've got a woman who failed math twice, I believe, in grade 11 and was told pretty much math's not for you, pretty much not for girls. And she said, and started, she's leading the way in entrepreneurship. She has started a business in Toronto called The Math Guru and engaging people. And she got her master's in education, like no dummy there. And she's also some kind of rock star band. Like she's really funky. Like the whole idea is that you don't let things get in your way. And and how did these women lead the way? We have the first and ever woman who was the CEO of the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation, still to this day, the only woman. How did she get there? What's her story? And how is she now helping other businesses through BDC climb, right? So it's the whole day is for you to kind of get a sense of inspiration, education, connect with one another. And again, that's the role of the chamber. Here's an event where you can spend all day networking. You drive your sales, sell yourself, be that person who represents your organization, you don't know who's in the room. You just don't know who's in the room. So where can people find more about the Whippy Chamber of Commerce, oh. what it means to be part of it, and Thanks. Who, who else should think about connecting with the Whippy Chamber of Commerce other than just businesses? Okay. We actually um, have an entire life cycle now developed. So it's connect with us if you're a post-secondary student and join for 30 bucks a year. Well. Straight up. If you're under 30, give me your email. You don't have to be a member. If you want to be part of Connection Gen and start creating a networking opportunity for people in the Durham region that are young and want to get together and start networking with one another before they start networking outside of that, maybe develop some cool events, call the Whippy Chamber. If you're a business person, whether you're working from home or whether you're part of an organization and you're an employee and you want to be more connected within the chamber, or within the business community, call the chamber. Um, and we have a full life cycle of ways of you to develop your leadership skills, for you to develop your volunteerism skills. If you want to be part of the community and give back through mentorship or be mentored, 
call the Whippy Chamber. Through two, if you have a business and you've been part of the business community, please don't go anywhere if you've sold or retired. Call the Whippy Chamber. You're back as a retiree for 30 bucks a year. Please be a mentor, give back, pay it forward, teach young fledgling and not young by age, young by in terms of business experience, why it's amazing to develop and grow a business in our community. So it's the, you know, the full on. My email is natalie at whitbychamber.org. Go on our website at whitbychamber.org and to learn more about all of our programming. But if you want to email me directly, feel free. I'll get back to you. And you guys do have a Facebook page. Oh, yeah. What else do you have? Instagram. You got uh, it all. Twitter, the whole nine yards. So check out Whitby Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, and if you want to link in with me too, I'm on LinkedIn. I I quite often talk about things on LinkedIn, but... um, I'll have... And if you're listening to this episode, everything's in the show notes. But all the the active links will be there and they'll be on the post as well. I was terrified. You make people feel very much at home. When you first came in, it was great to rip through okay, what is this about? And it was real serious, you like do. tactical I, oh, face. Oh yeah, like I just, I was really, I was yeah. really nervous. You make people very comfortable. Well, it's this kind of, was really fun. Well, thank you. It was very funny because we, we discussed yesterday <laughs> about setting this up and you had a meeting beforehand. And Yo. so when I came in and, and I, I met the, the lady at the front and I said to her, I just give me a space somewhere. Don't worry about it. I'll set up. And then you walked in and went, what is all this? And I'm like, oh yeah, like, yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's just fantastic. somewhat legit. I it's, want you reading yeah. the role. Right? No, it's, so. it's really, it was really great. You, you definitely, I forgot that all this was around. That's the plan. Well, so, Natalie, yeah. I can't, cannot thank you enough. Oh, thank Thanks you. Thanks for coming thank on Accidental, for Accidental Apprentice Podcast. And uh, everyone, uh, please don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, leave a five-star review. That is, I have now understood from iTunes how incredibly important that is. Um, so please, please do that. And uh, if whatever podcatcher you're following or whatever subscribes, you get the new episodes. And uh, Social media, I'm getting to the point where I think I might invest in a a high school student this summer to teach me how to do it (laughs) because we're just not doing the way it should be done. So, But anyways, thanks for everybody. Natalie, thanks once again, and we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Mm